Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Hey folks, it's Greg Allman with the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com back here for episode 20 of the Locked on Bucks podcast. Really excited to hit the big ronde, uh, finishing up four weeks of daily podcasts with you guys. Uh, excited to see the audience continue to grow here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Today's Locked on Bucks podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. I'm very excited to have them on board as a sponsor, not only of the Locked on Bucks podcast, uh, but all the NFL podcasts on the Locked on Podcast Network. SeatGeek.com, make sure you check them out uh, as you look to get tickets for these games that we talk about here on, on the podcast, whether it's the Bucks, whether it's USF, uh, any college, any pro events. Look at SeatGeek. Uh, check out their mobile app, one of the easier ways for you to find tickets on the secondary market. Uh, lots of great features. Uh, one thing we can do just as a listener of the podcast, uh, make sure if you're checking out the site for the first time, use uh, promotional code LOBUCKS. That's locked on. Promotional code L-O-B-U-C-S. That'll get you $20 rebate on your first purchase on the site. Uh, we'll come back to that later in the podcast. But thanks again to SeatGeek. Great to have them on board as a sponsor of the Locked on Bucks podcast. Uh, obviously, the big story today, this is probably Friday if you're listening to this like most people. Uh, and the big story is just uh, getting ready for tonight's home preseason opener for the Bucks. Uh Third game of the preseason, it's traditionally the one that is the most relevant. Uh, those first two, you're kind of barely seeing starters. Uh, next week's game, which is a home game against the Redskins, I don't think you'll see much starters at all. It's usually the, the least meaningful game. Maybe a couple roster spots being decided there at the very end. But uh, t- tonight, uh, Friday night, uh, really should be uh, your your best long extended look at the starters. Dirk Cutter said this week he expects his Starters on both sides of the ball to play into the third quarter, uh, which, you know, should give them a, a chance for a little bit more rhythm and continuity. You know, these first couple, uh, first two games, I don't know that we've seen that much uh, either side of the ball kind of establishing an identity on the field. It's more just in and out, get some reps, get comfortable in the scheme around you, and that's about it. But uh, Bucks know this opponent well. Obviously, they had the Cleveland Browns in for Two days of joint practices here on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, that suited them well last week when they had the two weeks of preseason practice uh, with the Jaguars up in Jacksonville and were able to come away with a win. You know, it's interesting to look back in that you can only really take so much from a preseason game in terms of uh, meaningful insights into a season. Uh, but if you look back last year, they also played Cleveland in the third round, the third week of the preseason last year. And they lost 31-7, you know, very much a telling game. When you think about the struggles that the Buccaneers had as a pass defense last year, we talk a lot about how they allowed opponents to complete 70% of their passes. Uh, Josh McCown, okay, um, you know, newly removed from the Bucs at this point last year. Uh, Josh McCown was 17 of 23 for two touchdowns, uh, no interceptions. And and that just, uh, again, if you look back on that, very telling in terms of how easily opposing quarterbacks were able to have their way with the Bucks secondary. Um, so I don't know what the difference will be tonight in terms of what you'll see uh, from this new Mike Smith defense. 
uh, a defense that's played fairly well so far in the preseason. Again, it's the preseason, and I, I, I continue to preface that with anything I say here. Bucks are second in the NFL in total defense right now. They've allowed 198 yards a game. Um, they have five interceptions, which is second in the NFL. Only the Eagles with seven have more. And again, uh, most of these, you think about last week, I think all four last week were from the second and third team. So this isn't starters that are necessarily getting it, but Vernon Hargraves is a guy that certainly has worked his way into working with the ones. Um, I think about the overall scheme more than I do who they are or who they're up against. Uh, what I think will also help uh, Buccaneers tonight is, is that Cleveland's offense has not been very good in the uh, in the preseason here. They're obviously making some adjustments. Um, they're where the Bucks were last year with a new offensive coordinator, uh, new scheme with Hugh Jackson, and, and a lot of that is still taking. They haven't necessarily been at full strength. Uh, but just by the numbers, uh, Browns are 30th out of 32 teams in yards per game. They're getting 207 yards a game. Uh, 30th in third down conversions. They're only converting 18% on third down. Uh, Buccaneers are up at 29%, by the way, which is not great, but it's certainly better than 18%. Uh, they're 28th in points. And what I thought was also telling is they're dead last in time of possession. Uh, two games in, the Browns have had the ball an average of 20 minutes, 9 seconds. Uh, so their opponents have had it nearly double what they've had it. So if the Buccaneers, for instance, wanted to come out and establish their run Friday night against the Browns, uh, I don't think we'll see a ton of Doug Martin or Charles Sims. Uh, I know the starters are playing for the full first half, but I also think they're going to be careful and kind of pick their battles with that. So I think you could easily see Mike James and Peyton Barber getting in, uh, both of them maybe getting a chance to work with that first team offensive line. Uh, but again, it seems like a situation where the Bucks should be able to uh, show off their run game. Uh, you look at the games that the Browns have faced. The Browns are, are worst in the NFL in total defense, again, in the preseason. That's 407 yards per game. Uh, Falcons, uh, who really didn't show very much last night uh, in Orlando, uh, had 498 yards against this Browns defense. Uh, went 11 of 17 on third down. I will be very interested to see how well the Bucks can move the chains on third down tonight. Uh, the Packers in week one had nine third down conversions against this Browns defense. Uh, as I said, Falcons had 11 third down conversions. That is why you have a terrible time of possession is when you can't get off the field on third down. So we talked a lot about the Bucks defense last week uh, being frustrated with how Blake Bortles was able to go three for three on third downs on their second touchdown drive. Uh, but third down is definitely something to watch tonight. Great to have a sponsor here with the Locked on Bucks podcast in SeatGeek. Uh, make sure if you're looking for tickets for the games we're talking about here, be it the Bucks, be it USF, Gators, anything local, college or pro events, uh, check out SeatGeek. Check out their mobile app. Easy way to buy tickets on the secondary market. A couple of the cool features they have for you. They have a price alert. If you have a price that you want to have in mind for a game, uh, you can set it just like you would airfare, just like a hotel you get a prompt when that price comes up and there's a ticket that's a match for you. The other thing they have is not just which seats are the cheapest. They have a deal score, rates every ticket from 1 to 100, lets you know how good a deal that is for that very seat in the stadium. You look at some of the options coming up here tonight. Uh, Friday night, the Browns are in town. That's a $28 ticket on SeatGeek, uh, well under face value. Next week, that preseason finale with the Bucks against the Redskins is a $13 seat right now on, on uh, SeatGeek. 
So definitely a better deal than what you might get uh, buying it at the ticket office right now, buying things from a scalper there. Make sure you're checking out SeatGeek. If you do, if it's your first time on the site, please use promo code LOBUCKS uh, for Locked On Bucks. You use promo code LOBUCS. You get a $20 rebate off your first purchase on the site. So thanks again to SeatGeek. Uh, first of all, I mentioned uh, the Falcons I actually went to Orlando last night, uh, drove over to Camping World Stadium. Still not quite ready to say that with a straight face, but uh, went to the former Citrus Bowl and watched the Falcons and Dolphins. Uh, not so much because of a love of preseason football, uh, but wanted to get a chance to go into that Falcons locker room and, and talk to some of these uh, key players who will have a reunion in week one when the Bucks go up there to Atlanta. Uh, not only with Dirk Cutter, who was their offensive coordinator from 2012 to 2014, uh, but with Mike Smith, who spent seven years as their coach. Uh, for a lot of these uh, players, veteran players of the Falcons, he's what they've known as a head coach for most of their careers. So got to talk to Matt Ryan, talk to Julio Jones, talk to Sean Weatherspoon, uh, talk to Desmond Trufant. Uh, a lot of guys in that locker room think very highly of Cutter and of Mike Smith and, and have high expectations of the Bucks. Maybe not necessarily in week one, uh, but really like that staff and, and what they would bring to things. So I was happy to get over there for that. Made for a late night. Uh, one of the reasons uh, if you were trying to listen to the podcast on your morning commute, it was not there. So I apologize for that. Uh, but in terms of other things we are looking for uh, from Friday night's preseason game, the other thing I did yesterday uh, was went over to Raymond James Stadium. They had kind of a, uh, a walkthrough, a sneak preview, if you will, uh, of the new video boards that are going up at Raymond James uh, certainly long anticipated and, and uh, awaited by Bucks fans. Uh, and I think you guys are going to be really impressed. Those of you that are, are at the game Friday night, I think you'll you'll see a real difference. Uh, these new video boards are in each end zone, literally four times bigger than the old video boards. I think uh, 2,200 square feet was the old video boards. Uh, and now they're 9,600 for each of the uh, end zone video boards. And they also have... Uh, four what they call tower panels, kind of in each corner of the stadium, uh, more vertical screens, but uh, they'll be able to have replays on there. They'll have graphics on there, uh, video interaction and stuff like that. And then they also have, uh, what's neat is they also have uh, what they call a ribbon. Uh, it's actually six feet tall, um, but uh, ribbon goes the entire way, kind of in the middle of the stadium, uh, that, that kind of mid-range thing where they have the, uh, you know, you, you used to see them like the, uh, the ring of honor names on there. Well, just below that is this, this ribbon that goes all the way around the stadium. So I think that'll be really neat. Uh, you usually see that in the indoor arenas as well. And they can kind of put graphics up and have ads all the way around can have uh, graphics that go side to side. It really kind of brings the two end zones together in a way. So I think he goes, I like that. The other thing I, I think it's going to be impressive for Bucks fans is, uh, is sound. I mean, they have surround sound, you know, last year, I mean, the history of Raymond James stadium, I think they had, basically uh, four speakers in one end zone, and that was it. Just very antiquated, old way of doing sound in a stadium. And now there's surround sound. So when they do uh, a graphic and Gerald McCoy comes up on the screen in one end zone, the sound can come from that end zone. And when they do it on the other side, it can come from the other side. And, and I think they'll much, it, it'll be much more modern sounding as stadiums go. And I think a big part of these renovations were taking a stadium that's not that old, that's only, whatever, 18, 19 seasons old, and just bringing it up to par with the technology today. A lot of this is with an eye toward Tampa hosting the College Football National Championship in January. Uh, but obviously, it'll be there for the Bucks and for USF this season. And I think fans will really notice a difference in that. It was neat to see that. Uh, also saw the new 
uh, Hall of Fame club area the Bucks have. Uh, it's real limited, only about 240 seats in each one of their two clubs, uh, but really neat. Very posh, very uh, high-end way to watch an NFL game. Impressive leather seats, uh, all kinds of food and, and areas there. Just really well done what they did to uh, kind of upgrade the the high-end option for watching a Buccaneers game there at Raymond James Stadium. They still have uh, what they said limited seating available, but you can tell they've already uh, had a lot of fans buy in. I think it's a three-year contract to, uh, to get into the Hall of Fame club, but very impressed by that. Uh, other things we want to watch, uh, we did do, uh, for the paper today, we did five things to watch, and obviously, uh, first and foremost on that list was Roberto Aguayo. Uh, he's kind of had a quiet two days. Uh, there's no practice for the Bucks on Thursday, so he was able to lay low on that. Wednesday did not uh, have any kicking periods in that second practice with the Browns, so uh, <coughs> all eyes, obviously, are going to be on what he's able to do, uh, this second-round draft pick out of Florida State who has had a rough two first games, uh, just missed an extra point off the upright in the first, very close to having a non-story there, uh, and then had two misses on field goals against the Jaguars uh, from 32 yards, which is even shorter than an extra point, and then from 49. Uh, but I definitely think it's an opportunity Friday night for Aguayo to kind of change the storyline if he can have uh, a very normal uh, successful, unimpressive, just happened kind of night. You know, kickers, I think sometimes, unless they hit a 55-yarder or something, you don't necessarily notice uh, except when they miss things. So if he can have uh, just just what you'd expect, you know, kind of the three for three on extra points, two short field goals or something like that, uh, that will allow him to get himself back in a positive mind frame where he's thinking about the success he's had and not the struggles he's had. Uh, and still has two weeks before the season starts. So I think that would be very important for him. Obviously, if he has continued problems, misses more kicks, uh, this is a storyline that will certainly carry into uh, the regular season. Uh, but, uh, you know, Robert Aguirre, R- Roberto Aguirre has a chance here to, to change the storyline a little bit that way. Another thing we mentioned that I'm looking forward to seeing is how well uh, the Bucks secondary, uh, the 510 group of Alteron Werner, Brent Grimes and Vernon Hargraves, all at five foot ten. How well they handled the size that these Cleveland receivers are going to bring in. Uh, was very impressed, just physically, watching Terrell Pryor in practice this week. Just a very imposing combination of size and speed. Uh, I think he's kind of transitioned himself to a receiver here in the last two seasons, but could really, uh, as a combination of his own development and a major opportunity with Cleveland. Uh, and an upgraded quarterback, too, with Robert Griffin III there. Could really be in for uh, a season where he puts himself back on the map in football. Uh, The other guy that's extremely dangerous and coming back in a different way is Josh Gordon, uh, who's 6'3", not much shorter than Terrell Pryor. Uh, Gordon will not play in the first four games of the regular season, uh, has certainly had his share of suspensions here in the last two years, uh, but is expected to play against the Bucs, and I think he's a good test. I mean, I'm curious to see... uh, who they line up against, who, you know, their, their number three receiver, uh, I'll be honest, it, it impressed me as much as any rookie receiver I've seen this year. They took uh, Corey Coleman out of Baylor, uh, number 15 overall pick in the draft, so not even that much farther down from, from where Hargraves was taken. Uh, you know, Corey Coleman had 20 touchdowns last year, led college football in, in at least one, 1A football in touchdowns. 
Uh, very impressive when you think about the fact that Corey Coleman had 20 touchdowns. The Browns receivers collectively as a group had eight touchdowns last year. So uh, in getting Gordon back, in adding Corey Coleman, this could be a much more dangerous NFL offense. Uh, there's kind of a situation set up where Robert Griffin could really put himself back on the map. You know, didn't play a single snap last year in Washington. Uh, struggled in his last two years playing with the Redskins. Uh, but, you know, he and Gordon go back to Baylor days. They had a good season together. I think 2010 was their season at Baylor. Uh, I think Josh had seven touchdowns tied to the team lead the year before RG3 won the Heisman Trophy there. So very interested uh, in that first half to keep an eye on uh, what the Bucks corners are able to do, how they handle uh, limiting the opportunities for the big receivers they're going to face. Again, very early in the schedule, they're going to get Julio Jones in Atlanta in week one. Uh, they're going to get bigger receivers in Arizona in week two. Uh, definitely something that's going to be a theme this year is how well they handle the bigger receivers, uh, really just that the NFC South brings as well. Uh, so definitely interested in that. Uh, you know, the other thing I want to point out as we go through things here, th- this is the last chance for anybody on the bubble to make uh, substantial impressions on these coaches. I think uh, if I'm guessing right now, when I went through, you look at the depth chart uh, with 90 guys on roster, 89 guys on roster right now, trying to figure out how many have uh, jobs that are locked up. And when I went through the roster the other day, I, I had 42 players uh, that I kind of wrote down kind of in ink, if you will. Like it seems hard to imagine them not making this roster. Uh, and that leaves you with 11. And, and what's intriguing is when you have something like that is that it's not only uh, 11 players, but you don't know what position they're going to be at. And you don't know how they're going to divvy things up. And a lot of that just depends from year to year on the strength of your positions. Uh, when you see changes in coaching staffs, you don't know how they're going to respond from a personnel standpoint. So I'm intrigued to see what they will do in terms of how many tight ends they carry, how many running backs they carry. Uh, listen to the radio with the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins might only carry three tight ends this year, for instance, but I expect the Bucks to carry four. Um, it's hard to mention them carrying more than four, but there's so many positions like uh, Dirk Cutter was talking the other day uh, about receiver depth, and he was saying you know, that there's a lot of competition for the fourth and fifth receiver spots. So that, to me, sounds like he expects them to only carry five receivers, for instance. Um, he mentioned the same thing with linebackers. He said there's a lot of competition for the fourth and fifth linebacker jobs. So in my mind, I think I had penciled them in with six linebackers. So if they only carry five, uh, what that does is it allows them to carry an extra defensive lineman if they want, an extra defensive back if they want. We're not sure how he's going to allot these positions to get to the 53 what we do know is that this is their last chance to really make a case to be in that 53. The other thing, and I think it's relevant for this Bucks team this year, is that just because you make that initial September 3rd cut to 53, it doesn't mean you've made the team. Um, Dirk mentioned at the very start of camp that they have good depth in some positions and not so good depth in other positions to where they're going to very actively scour the waiver wires, see who the best players that were cut by other teams. Uh, If you needed a receiver, uh, if you can find the team in the NFL that had the best receiver depth and cut their sixth receiver, he could easily be better than your fifth receiver, if you will. Um, I don't know what, uh, 
I don't know what that will be. I don't know what position I mentioned receiver. We've talked a lot about the number three running back. We haven't necessarily seen somebody jump out there. We've talked about number four defensive tackle. Haven't necessarily seen somebody jump out there. Uh, so I'm very curious to see who can step up uh, and kind of take advantage of this last chance to impress someone here Friday night against the Browns. Receiver is a position we've talked a lot about in the podcast already. Um, I do feel like Dante Dye now has an inside track as perhaps the fourth receiver right there with Russell Shepard. Those, those are probably the guys where if you had to draw a line in the sand right now and say who makes this team, I would think that Shep and Dante Dye are, are four and five and not necessarily in that order even. And what that means is that guys like Kenny Bell, guys like Evan Spencer are on the outside looking in. Um, you know, I would think the Bucks would have a decent chance to get both of those potentially back um, as, as practice squad type players. Obviously, Lewis Murphy is still someone they're going to have to account for later in the year. The fact that he still hasn't played or even practiced in the preseason seems to make it line up for him as a guy that's going to start the year on that PUP list, that physically unable to perform list, which means like J.R. Sweezy, he's expected to miss the first five games of the season. And then if in mid-October, late October, when that comes around, uh, if he's healthy, then they can reevaluate what cuts they might make, what changes they might make to get him on that active 53-man roster. I did want to address something in the mailbag. Uh, You guys were great about sending in questions yesterday. Uh, Some nice comments from Josh Ahn on Twitter, A-H-N, Josh Ahn. Um, We had talked about fantasy football yesterday. Some of you guys like the fantasy talk. I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of fantasy talk on this. I will say the... uh, the Locked On Podcast Network has added a fantasy podcast. So if you do like daily conversations about fantasy football, about who looks good, who doesn't look good, who might be moving up and down the various lists we have going into our drafts, uh, Locked On Fantasy will be a great podcast. We've also added a draft podcast. So I think starting in late September, we're going to have a every day from from September till the draft weekday podcast talking about prospects, talking about uh, who looks good in season and who looks good uh, here in St. Pete at the Shrine Game, at Mobile, at the Combine. Um, will be really neat and a good daily conversation. Um, if you're a guy that can't get away from the draft and loves the draft and is already thinking about 2017 in the draft, that podcast will be really cool for that. Uh, I had asked you guys yesterday in the podcast who the third buck should be or the, who the third buck was in your uh, fantasy football draft. Uh, as expected, Josh said the third buck I would pick is Chuck Sims. And again, I'm, I'm starting to advocate calling him Chuck Sims and not Charles Sims, just because everyone in that Bucks locker room uh, calls him Chuck Sims. That's what they call him. Um, he says, uh, the third buck I would pick is Chuck Sims, but is everyone sleeping on Adam Humphreys, or can he have potential on a fantasy team? Uh, again, I, I'm a big fan of, of making your 14th and 15th rounds, if you will, your last picks in a fantasy draft, outright flyers, people that are uh, half-court shots, if you will. There is no sense to me in you using that pick on a backup kicker, a backup defense. Uh, take a guy that has ridiculous upside. Take a guy that that the rest of your league might look at and say, well, you're taking him? Um, if Adam Humphreys, you think, is that guy? I mean, right now he's the number three receiver. Uh, you think about his productivity in half a season last year. He could easily uh, be a 40 or 50 catch receiver if he were to continue that. Uh, if Murphy doesn't come back healthy and take away catches, if Dante Dye and Russell Shepard don't emerge as offensive threats, he would be their third receiver. I do think uh, this offense is going to get more catches from non-receivers this year, even more from Chuck Sims, if you will, who absolutely should be the third buck taken. And honestly, 
It, you see him uh, going around 80 to 90 in some of these drafts, which works out to like the eighth round, uh, kind of high in the backup running back category, if you will. But anyway, I think a lot more catches to non-receivers. I think ASJ will have more catches. I think Cameron Bray's going to have more catches. I think uh, Charles Sims is going to have more catches than the whatever he had, 40-plus he had last year. Um, does that come at the expense of an Adam Humphreys? I don't know. I think Humphreys definitely has a niche as a slot guy, as a third-down guy, a middle-of-the-field guy that he can absolutely exploit. Um, so, no, at 15th-round pick, 14th-round pick, take a flyer. I'm a big fan of... Finding a guy you think has upside, uh, parking him on your bench to start the season and just seeing what happens. You know, you'll find other guys maybe on waivers after that first week that are more legitimate uh, 10 target a game types. But uh, definitely some potential there for Adam Humphreys. Thank you, Josh, for the question on that. We will, uh, you know, I've actually got a question that has just come in. I uh, want to make sure we answer as many of these mailbag questions as we can. Uh, Robert Green has a question asking about Jonathan Banks. Uh, what is my overall view of the Bucks' cornerback depth? I will be curious to see how the Bucks handle uh, the depth of cornerback on their roster. I think they have four cornerbacks uh, they are going to use a lot right now in Werner, Grimes, Hargraves, and, and Jude Ajay Barima. Um, and, and how they how they split those guys up remains to be seen. We've seen times where Hargraves is just the nickel and Werner and Grimes are the outside corners. We've seen looks where Werner, where Hargraves is an outside corner replacing either of them. I've seen Hargraves and Grimes. I've seen Hargraves and Werner. Um, so you could easily have a rotation among the outside receivers, maybe depending on the matchups, depending on who they're facing. I do think there's a shelf, if you will, after those four corners and a drop-off from there to Jonathan Banks, to Josh Robinson, um, to the rest of the corner. So I'm curious if they decide they can get something for Jonathan Banks, if all they see him as being is a special teamer in a fifth corner, a guy who's, who's barely active, if that's the case. Uh, maybe they can get a low-round pick for him. Maybe they can get a sixth-rounder. You, you always see these spare part trades right before the, the final cut, where it's, here's a guy I think I'm going to cut. I'm going to deal him for a guy you think you're going to cut. But maybe that trade uh, addresses some weak spots on our on our roster or on your roster. It's a chance to kind of even out the talent, if you will. Um, if one team has great tight end depth, uh, people were talking about Jacksonville's tight ends being strong, they might be able to deal the best tight end they're going to cut, kind of anticipate what would be the obvious waiver claim and let somebody deal the old conditional seventh-round draft pick or uh, another player who's in that position. Uh, the Bucks did that with Kelsey McCray two years ago. You, you see these kind of trades. I'll be curious if the Bucks uh, can do something like that. Last year, this time, it was trading Tim Wright to the Lions for Kyle Brinza. And obviously, that didn't work out that well. But anyway, lots will happen here. We will be back on Monday. We'll have lots to talk about to recap this Bucks browns game. Tuesday of next week is the first round of cuts. We'll be looking ahead to that as well. But thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, again, if you have questions for the podcast over the weekend, if you have thoughts and comments after that game on Friday, we want to hear who stood out to you, who disappointed you, who impressed you. Uh, shoot us an email at LockedOnBucks at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at Greg Allman. Uh, we'll have lots of stuff for the mailbag and, and a real newsy. Uh, here I am hitting 25 minutes on the Friday podcast. Uh, but lots of stuff we want to get to there. Thank you guys again. We're going to wrap things up uh, for the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. This is Greg Allman. Thanks again. Episode 20. So happy to be uh, four weeks into this podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the game Friday night.
What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop! At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS, wireless, figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.